0: Welcome back Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast hosted by Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist up at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at m o e m o t u n. that's Mo Moten. You can follow me on Twitter as well at l v gully. We appreciate you guys being with us. And as always, we appreciate your subscriptions. Whether you're listening to us on audio, you can get us anywhere you get podcasts or if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, thank you. It's good to see you wink a dink and uh, make sure you hit subscription and the notifications bell. So, you know, when we have a new video, we are going through our great questions from our listeners and viewers. And we want to jump back into that one right now. Okay, here we go. Mo. This is from Reggie Williams in Sacramento, California. Reggie says, I know Scott and Murph talked about it on the post game show, but I had never thought about it much. But I think at the end of this year, both Derek Carr and the Raiders deserve a fresh start. I'm a Carr fan and love what the guy does overall, but it's clear the years of dysfunction have set in. My question is this. If the Raiders finish in the bottom 10, most of the really good rookie quarterbacks will be gone. What uh, what does a post Derek Carr Raiders era look like for this team? Again, that's from Reggie Williams in Sacramento. So let's start with the top of that question, Mo, which is um, Reggie saying that a fresh start might be both good for both team or both sides of this situation. Derek Carr and the Raiders. We talked about that on yesterday's show. Uh, kind of reemphasize what the point you made about when that decision would come, what would have to happen for that to go down?
1: So basically, if the Raiders, as he suggested, finish in the you know, top, if they get a top 10 draft pick, automatically you're thinking, okay, what quarterbacks will be available come draft time? That's just a natural thought process with any regime when you have a top 10 draft pick because we all know quarterbacks can change your football team dramatically for better or worse. So yes, if they finish... You know, and they have a top 10 pick, that's going to be on the table. Who's going to be our next quarterback? Is it Derek Carr, or can we move on to a younger Signal who has more upside? Now, to his point also, and I brought this up on the last show, that if you're pick number 8, 9, 10, you're probably going to miss out on the top two quarterbacks in the draft. So you have to decide, is that third quarterback who's available worth moving up for in a draft or drafting if he's going to be available at 8, 9, or 10? I believe Hooker out of Tennessee could be the third quarterback on draft boards. Now he's a Heisman—he's a Heisman candidate right now, playing well for Tennessee. Tennessee one of the best teams in the country right now, so I wouldn't poo-poo the third best quarterback in this draft class if all the top three guys come out, including Hooker. So with that said, fans aren't going to want to hear this. If it's not a top <laughs> draft prospect, I would start to think about Mac Jones. Let's say the Patriots want to transition to Bailey Zappi full-time. and Mac Jones is not necessarily the guy long-term. He played well in the Josh McDaniels last year. I could see the Raiders inquiring about that if they want to move on from Derek Carr and they, they want a bridge quarterback instead of drafting one. The other one is Jared Goff, and that's another mm-hmm. one fans are not going to like because let's say the Detroit Lions do have the number one overall pick and they get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. The Lions will probably move on from Jared Goff who isn't a top-tier quarterback, but he's serviceable, right? And I, I agree with fans, and I would say he's not better than, than Derek Carr. Jared Goff right. is not a better quarterback than Derek Carr. But if you're trying to make the point that the Raiders and Derek Carr need to go their separate ways after all of this time and nothing happens, then your next best option right now is probably Jared Goff, who, by the way, got the Rams to a Super Bowl. I'm just saying. He's played well, in a Super Bowl. He has he has playoff wins on his resume.
0: He does. Uh, I thought you were going to say Joe Flacco, but uh, that didn't happen, so we're good Oh there. no. no. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and that's the key. I mean, I think you 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 have some you have some more to, you have to watch things unfold a little more before this happens. I know some fans yeah. are done with their car. They want to see him move on. I'm we're not at the, yet. Uh, No, and I but I'm at the inflection point where I'm starting to think that that might be best But I'm not quite, I'm not 100% there, right? I'm not going to sit on here and say they should. uh, But I'm starting to think that that might be the end uh, of the line for them if this year goes like it is up and down and they just don't ever break out or put something together. Now, they put a little run together, even though they don't make the playoffs. I think that could change. It depends on what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are going to look at. Plus, they have a lot to do on this team. They have a lot to do on defense. We talked about it lot to do on offense on the offensive line. Darren Waller is a huge question mark. We're not even talking to him or about him on the show today, but that's a huge question mark. If he remains to be inconsistent, then that could be a decision that haunts this team for a long long time. So they have bigger issues I think right now to deal with. So we'll see how that all go down. But um we certainly appreciate your question. Reggie Sacramento, we appreciate you uh rep in the capital of California, and we will move on to our next question. All right. Um, Mo and Scott, I have always been a half glass full gal when it comes to my Raiders. I live and die for Sundays during football season. I recently turned 40 and never have seen the Raiders be consistently good. (laughs) That that hits hard. (laughs) That that hits hard. Uh, I'm a Padre fan, so I know. Um, I'll never give up on them, but I'm starting to think Mark Davis could never turn this thing around. When do we start talking about him and his impact on why this team can't get to where it needs to be? Appreciate you both. That's Lena in Whittier, California. Lena, thank you for representing the ladies and for a great, great question. We brought Mm -hmm. up Mark Davis on yesterday's show uh, and, and asking, you know, what part of this does he own? I mean, he hired these guys. I still think Dave Ziegler is a smart guy and will be fine. Josh McDaniels will wait and see on that one. But I think fans now, especially like Lena, who've not seen a lot of winning in their life as a fan of the Raiders are really getting to the point now where they're starting to think, well, geez, you know, Mark Davis. Yeah, he got us to Vegas. He got us the new stadium. They're making more money. The value went up. But it's all the same result. Um, It's kind of it's it's crazy to scream about an owner in some ways, Mo, because they own the team. They're not beholden to what fans think unless you start a revolt and big money suite holders and season ticket holders completely vanish and go away like they did in Oakland with the A's and the baseball side. Uh, but I just don't see it changing. This is the family business. Um, but what about Lena's question? What what do fans need to expect out of the owner, if anything?
1: First of all, I I completely... I can't say completely empathize with her because now I'm on the, I'm on the professional side when I'm a writer, but I yeah. totally understand what she's going through. Cause I'm full disclosure. I'm 36 years old. And the last time the Raiders played in the playoff game, I was 17 years old in the 11th grade. <laughs> so I totally, I, I totally get it. That's the last time they you know actually won some playoff games. And of course they, they gone to the playoffs but haven't won anything in, in recent years. But to her question about Mark Davis, I think it starts with him because he's the guy that does the hiring. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was part of why Del Rio basically had to announce his own firing. And John Gruden came in now, John Gruden incrementally improved the team where they were headed in the right direction. But of course he had the email scandal, so he had to step down, but the team had been backsliding before he stepped down. If you remember, they had lost two games. And then Rich Pisacha came in and kind of turned it around, and the players responded well to him. But the Raiders decided to hire Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and give Rich Basaccha and Mike Mayock the boot. So I think it starts with Mark Davis because he's the one making the the big picture hires. Yep. And so far his big picture hires haven't delivered when they've had the when they've had the job to, to make the big decisions. Because mm-hmm. when you look at it, Look at the way the roster is constructed. Now, this goes to kind of like Dave Ziegler. His this is his job, right? And we talked about this offline. The Raiders roster isn't soundly built. And by what I mean by that is we always talk about building a roster inside out, winning in the trenches. That means having a strong offensive line. That means having a strong defensive line, building inside out, right? But they have strong, they have a strong pass catching group. They added Rocky Sin, who's a cornerback, to the secondary, who's been inconsistent. But what did they do for the interior of the defensive line? What did they do for the offensive line? Not much of anything. They spent money in other places. Now, you you would think that Chandler Jones would be good, but he's an older player. We had higher hopes for him. But as far as I'm concerned, Mark Davis has hired guys who haven't built strong rosters. So it starts with him. He has to be a better decision maker for the guys that he's putting in place to make the important decisions. And so far, if you're grading Mark Davis as an owner, as far as the product on the field, not what he's done as far as getting the team to Vegas and all all the other stuff, but as far as the product on the field, Mark Davis has failed this football team. You you have to look at it that way.
0: There's the poll quote. (laughs) Mark Davis has failed. And and so here's the thing though. And and I completely agree with you. and, And I understand Lena's frustration too, when you have bad ownership, I've, I've been the fan of teams with bad ownership um, in San Diego, of course. Uh, and, and so, so I know it. And, and remember as a child, I was a Clippers fan. Trust me, you want to know some pain. It's, it's, it's a lot of pain. Um,
1: so <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. So, yes.
0: Yeah, so, you know, all about it. So you, mm-hmm. you look at that and you say, okay, you know, he, he owns it. There's no question. Now I will say this and not necessarily an excuse, but a, a plea for patience. And that is, I believe that Dave Ziegler is the best personnel guy, best GM. He's a young guy, unproven, yes. But I think he is the best guy he's hired in a long time. I know Reggie McKenzie came in, did great stuff to get the salary cap in line. They had a lot of issues that Al Davis created, and they kind of fixed that over with some of the issues of the previous regime there, too. But I do believe Dave Ziegler... Uh, will is finally a guy that Mark Davis hired that came through a system where he learned and it was a very, very good hire. Okay. Now the coach is a separate issue. We can talk about that differently, but I think to your point, Mo about constructing rosters, you have to give the guy time to build his rosters. And I'm going to use maybe, maybe it's an apples and oranges, but maybe not. And that is a college coach. A college coach comes in, maybe a college coach comes in and inherits a team that went to a bowl game. Uh, and he brings in, changes the system, uh, you might see a step back because they're not his players. He did not recruit those players to play in his system. They don't have the personal relationship. And I think in this case, the same can be said for a pro team, Mo, which is you have a roster that had some good spots and some really bad spots. It was without depth because of three bad draft classes. I mean, let's not forget that. That is huge. That plays huge Mm -hmm. in what's happening with this team right now. And so, so I think you have to give Dave Ziegler the time. So I'm not here to make excuses for Mark Davis cause he's made plenty of bad decisions for this franchise. And, and this one may end up being bad too from a coaching perspective, but on the GM side of things, I think you have to wait it out and see what happens. We'll see what this next draft we'll see what they do with free agents and how they try to build this roster.
1: Here's my worry with Dave Ziegler. Um, no question, I think he's very good with trades and maneuvering. Mm-hmm. I like that part about so far of what I've seen. I like that part of what he's done so far. What I do worry about with him is the way he spends money. Mm-hmm. And I pointed this out, if you remember, on an earlier show, this past offseason, I pointed out he spent a lot of money with the Patriots when they gave him free reign last year with the Patriots. It wasn't Bill Belichick making all the moves; it was Dave Ziegler. He spent a lot of money on on players, and people were like, "Why are the Patriots splurging?" And I wanted to dig into this and I was like, yeah, this is different than what they usually do And I read that they was the guy making those moves. They spent a lot of money on John o. Smith and Hunter Henry and a bunch of guys. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. And as we saw this off season with extending guys, Carr, Crosby, Waller, you know, uh, getting Devonte Adams and extending him. there was talk about maybe Denzel Perriman was going to get an extension. He's not afraid to spend money. The problem is you want them to spend it efficiently. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out there. Mark this show down. And the first the first mill back in November, I said this. You, you might have issues with where Dave Ziegler spends his money because he, he can have a tendency to overspend. But back to Mark Davis and Lena's original question. You're right, Scott. Give him some time because he's got to work through what the previous regime has already set for him. But what I will say is that what Mark Davis has shown is that he doesn't make he doesn't always make the best football decisions. Business wise, you know, thumbs up. But as far as football decisions, he may want to lean on guys in his ear who know more about the game than he does.
0: Yeah, and we know Marcel Reese is a close advisor to him. Uh, although Marcel Reese does not have a lot of experience either, uh, but he seems to be well liked and seems to be there representing him a lot. So we'll see how that goes. I know a lot of fans love Marcel Reese and uh, his yeah. his presence in the building. But that doesn't always get the job done, so we'll have to do a wait and see on that one. Lena in Whittier, California, thank you so much for your email. All right, Mo, lightning round time. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about quarterbacks, possible quarterbacks. You've mentioned if the Raiders move on from Derek Carr that Jared Goff might be a viable option, at least as a bridge quarterback. Uh, We'll see how that all goes down. But here's my lightning round question for you. Three quarterbacks in the NFL. Tell me out of all of these three quarterbacks, who is a starter in the NFL and who's won a playoff game eight years from now? You ready? Mac Jones, you mentioned him earlier, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. Who will win a playoff game? Who will have won at least one playoff game within eight years?
1: Oh, that's that's Justin Herbert. Now I, I know so. really quick. I want I want to say really quick. I know the narrative about him being overrated is out there because you know he's the Charges are, are a mediocre football team, but I think part of that is, and I think Evan Grote brought this up privately that he's without his pro, All Pro left tackle. Uh, he hasn't had both his wide receivers on the field for multiple games. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have been hurt. Uh, so I'm not making excuses for Justin Herbert because we don't make the excuses for Derek Carr either, but he also, and he also has a defensive minded head coach. Uh, Joe Lombardi was kind of an average offensive coordinator. I, I think as a pure talent where, where he is right now, the charges are going to be mediocre because of what he has around him. But I mm-hmm. think he's good enough to overcome a lot of that, which is, what my gripe is with Derek Carr sometime, And I said this privately to you and I'm going to say this on the show. When the Raiders ship is sinking, a lot of times Derek Carr is not good enough to bring you out of it early in games. He'll get you the, the, the comeback wins in the fall quarter comebacks, but in games like what we saw against the saints on Sunday, when things aren't going right, he's not going to, he's not good enough to bring you out of that. And I think Justin Herbert is good enough to survive some disaster. He may not win as much as a lot of people think he should win with his talent, but I think within eight years, he's easily the guy that's going to win a playoff game simply because the Chargers have a better roster than the Patriots and the Jackson Jaguars right now, hands down. But I do think Trevor Lawrence has a chance because I think he has the better head coach in Doug Peterson, who, by the way, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. But I think as far as what we're looking at right now, Justin Herbert's the guy that's going to win at least one playoff game in eight years.
0: And, and you just kind of answered my second lightning round question around these three quarterbacks. We know Justin Herbert will be a starter, you know, sans some injury or something oh, or yeah. some rapid decline in skill, <laughs> which is unlikely. But Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, are those guys still starters three years from now? Both of them. You said Trevor,
1: Lawrence. Lawrence def- tre- yeah. Trevor Lawrence definitely is. I think him, he and... Doug Peterson will eventually work out. The Jaguars' record isn't good right now. Of course, they'll play the Raiders, which I think is going to be a pretty close game. Let me just tell you that right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he'll be a starter because he's going to have a longer leash, being that he was a former number one overall pick in the draft not too long ago. So, no way he's going to get benched anytime soon. With well, Mac Jones, we've already saw the Patriots swap him out for Bailey Zappi. Now, Bailey Zappi didn't take advantage of the opportunity. But you can already see that there's there could be a bit of a quarterback controversy if Mac Jones struggles. Because I, I know they, the Patriots beat the Jets in Week 8, but they didn't look all that impressive. Mac Jones still made mistakes in that game. Let me tell you, he he by far isn't running away with that job. So I can see Mac Jones losing his starting position in the near future.
0: And because of his association with Josh McDaniels, you've mentioned Mac Jones' possible landing spot could be Vegas if something changes with Derek Carr um mm-hmm. how would Raider fans what would they how should they feel about that is Mac Jones a guy you think can that develop into a quarterback that would be better than Derek Carr after nine years like it's it's a potential thing I understand you see it sometimes and then sometimes it's not there but but you cover the entire league Mo um what do you see with him that gives you or makes you excited and what do you see with him that gives you pause
1: I will say this. I don't think Mac Jones ceiling is higher than what Derek Carr is today. Yeah. So I would, if I'm, if I'm a fan, I wouldn't be excited about swapping out Derek Carr for Mac Jones. What, what was the knock on Mac Jones when he came out of his draft class? He's not very athletic, mm-hmm. though. I do see him use his legs a lot. I will say that this year he he's been moving around the pocket. He's been running for first downs, but to me, his ceiling isn't very high. And if you're going to, if you're going to move on from Derek Carr, and get a bridge quarterback you kind of want an equivalent i think mac jones is just a close equivalent and not to say jared jared Goff is is great but mac jones just doesn't do it for me as i said <laughs> he almost lost his job to a, a rookie fourth round pick this year so it's it's just it's, it wouldn't be an exciting transition from Carr to mac jones if, if mac jones is the option b i, I would actually stick with Derek Carr.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with your assessment in this lightning round. I mean, Justin Herbert right now, he got off to such a quick start. I get it. I think Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be better than Herbert long term yeah. just because of his natural ability and the fact that he was put into such a terrible situation and he's just now working out. I think Peterson will be great for him as a mentor, as a coach, especially with the offense that he's running. There's just going to take a little bit of time for them. And then I agree on Mac Jones. Mac Jones will be a good backup. I think the rest of his career, a guy who can give you a couple of good starts here and there. Um, but other than that, I don't see him uh, as a, as a long-term viable option anywhere actually. So there you go. Um, all right. Well, there's our lightning round and that concludes our mailbag show. So Mo, we have to pick, it's going to be hard today to yeah. pick a winner for this t-shirt. Uh, we have David's question. Uh, around Josh McDaniel and urgency and not seeing that. So going back to your passion point from yesterday's show, we also have Reggie talking about the um, uh, the quarterback situation. We have Lena with the uh, the situation we we're talking about with Mark Davis, the owner. So we got some good questions. And then of course we have uh, Ron, the matterator uh, around and he had, the thing about hunter renfro he had this the question about the offensive genius maybe outsmarting himself on that one i'm going to give ron the matterator my vote
1: oh man i i was thinking it, it's close between ron lena and david but mm-hmm. i i have to agree with you ron's research yeah. The Hunter Renfro quote was great, and it's something that I'm going to look into that I didn't actually I, I didn't hear. So the fact yeah. that he brought up something that didn't come across my desk <laughs> perked my ears up. So he, he definitely earned that. He he definitely earned that T-shirt.
0: Absolutely. So, Ron, I will shoot you back out a note and get your address. Congratulations on getting your silver and black today T-shirt. Well, Mo, we will be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, the Raiders. Uh, Any roster moves or decisions we've heard between now and then as we record this show for early Wednesday, uh, we'll uh, we'll get back with everybody that and then we'll go through a little bit. As you said, this Jaguars game on the road, the Raiders staying on the East Coast to adapt to the East Coast time zone might help them a little bit. But there's lots of issues here and the Jaguars actually present some interesting matchups for them, especially offensively that we'll have to take a look at against that Raiders defense, which continues to struggle. So we will be back at it tomorrow, my man.
1: Jaguars have lost five in a row, but let me tell you, watching their games with the way Travis Etienne is playing right now, I believe he ran for 156 against the Denver Broncos. Do not, I repeat, do not underestimate and write off the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially with the way the Raiders played
0: in New Orleans. Right, and I don't think this Raiders team, where it's at, how it performed last week, could write off – Anybody, including mm-hmm. facing the University of Tennessee, I mean, really, you <laughs> seriously, you you've got to look at this game and work hard, and you got to prepare. They have to prepare, and they have to come wanting to win. Uh, and we just didn't see that in New Orleans. So we'll see how it all ends up. But my friend, I appreciate you as always, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Of course, gonna get some sleep after this trade deadline, <laughs> which is. <laughs> crazy for me
0: <laughs> yes we, we need to get you some sleep all right there you go uh as always you guys thank you so much for listening to the show or watching the show if you're watching us on youtube be sure help us out make sure you subscribe to the show put on the auto download that significantly helps us that means your show is downloaded every time we put out a new one, and that helps us a lot. So thank you so much. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for the chat. It's always lively. We always have a great time mixing it up with everybody in there. So thank you for that. And uh, hit the subscription and then the notifications bell so you don't miss another video. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, the mailbag edition for Wednesday, an Odyssey original podcast. Have a great night, everybody, and we will talk to you on Thursday.